Hallo und herzlich willkommen zu Startup DNA, dem Podcast über Startups, Technologien und Deutschland 4.0. Ich bin der Frank, los geht's. Welcome to a new episode of Startup DNA. This episode is in English because I was a guest at Deutsche Telekom AG, where I had the honor to speak with Tim Hutkes, the CEO. We talked about technology, of course, what connects people and corporates and startups. So let's get right into it. So welcome to all viewers here at our event. Welcome uh, for this unique opportunity, joining and sharing our thoughts on the technologies and on the future. And um, I have a very prominent guest with me here tonight, live, and I want to introduce him. It's Frank Thelen. Welcome, Frank. He's a good friend of mine. We know us uh, already for ages. We live in the same city by accident, but uh, Frank is different to your CEO. He is a big founder. He's a technology investor by heart, and he's a big book author as well. He's a celebrity on TV because he was in the series of Höhle der Löwen, whatever that means in English. Shark Tank. The Shark Tank, you know that uh, from International. And he has founded and managed a lot of technologies in the past. Early phase investments, so looking into the future. His products have reached over 100 million customers in over 60 countries. Frank was the first investor in one of amazing technologies uh, like Lilium Aviation, a drone based on electromobility, Wunderlist, Accenture, Smartlane, Ankerkraut and Wifood. So a lot of things we know are which we can. He has even written the book. So I do some advertising here, like we do that in TV. By the way, I have read the book. It's interesting and it's a good introduction to the technology. So to the ones who are interested, please let me know. We can organize books for 10x DNA from Frank Thelen. Really worth reading. Now, I invited you here today, Frank, for us, for our top management team meeting here, which is taking place as a kickoff meeting every year to discuss a little bit about what's going on, what you foresee for the future, what we can learn from technologies. But before we go into this deep dive, let's relax the situation, a little bit talk about the personality, Frank. Yeah. Maybe starting with some funny things. You know, you're an entrepreneur, you are high-risk business Looking back, what were your parents expecting, looking forward for you as a career? Yeah, the challenge was that I had a really bad start, if you look into my parents, because I was fired from the school, then was in a very, very bad school. So uh, honestly, it's a true story, by the way, it's very funny. So one day my father comes to me and say, you know what? My highest hope and my highest expectations for you would be that you be an Abteilungsleiter at Deutsche Telekom. So he was really, because he lives in Bonn, so he liked Deutsche Telekom a lot and said, that would be the best place for you, the most stable go. place. Yeah, here we go. Maybe I have the opportunity. <laughs> so maybe if there's an open, open position, then we can start negotiation. But because I had really a rocky, rocky start. And then also I went bankrupt with a lot of debt persons. It was a bad start. So what was your biggest learning so far in life? You can do so much more and reach so much more goals than you think. We, we're all limited in this is not possible i cannot do this how should this be and and we forget when we see those big stars that everyone just took a lot of small steps until he reached that so my biggest learning is think bigger and even myself i'm so limited in my thoughts when you see elon musk how he thinks and how he works and, and what what he's get done and i always think like i have to go faster i have to go bigger so we are limited by our own mindset. And that's so important that we say we can do more. Everybody from you can do that. It's just like a mindset thing. But, but 
it's, that sounds that easy. I'm not sure about that one because <laughs> we have a socialization. We are grown up with our families. You know, we got educated in a system like Germany yeah. or in other countries witnessing us today. But, you know, if you're not thinking big, how can you learn to think big? Is it a process of steps or is it something where you just have to just once take the risk and learn from that? I believe it's a positive enforcement. So, for example, you could think you work at Deutsche Telekom and say, I always want to write a really good piece about 5G and something that, that's amazing. And then say, oh, it's a lot of work and research. Get started and write that piece and put it on LinkedIn or Medium, whatever. So, and then you get feedback and say, hey, that was a smart article that you wrote. And then you take the next step. So, take small steps and, and get started because that is the thing. We, we always wake up every morning. We do the same thing that we're used to and we need to get out of our comfort zone. So, take things, writing an article, learning about new technology, starting to code, or even with yourself, start running. That's the problem of myself. And then just do it. And then you have this positive enforcement and then you will start running or write articles. I think the good learning number one for all of us, because it's not that you have to do immediately, you know, the next Starlink or <laughs> inventing the next Tesla or, you know, doing the vision fund of Masasan. I think, you know, all these guys started very small and we as company can learn from that one. So every day, take a little bit risk more. And if you get the appreciation that something is working better afterwards, I think you grow and take an even a bit, of, uh, a bit more of a risk. Now, looking a little bit in risk means high opportunities, but it means as well, you know, um, uh, big failures. So, um, uh, so now looking hindsight, what was the biggest failure you, 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 you ever, you oh. ever made? One of the biggest failure is that I did not uh, be active in school. So I did not learn the basics about physics, uh, mathematics, uh, bio, chemical, and so on. So that's something that the groundwork that's missing today and really holding me back and achieving even more. Mm -hmm. So not learning those basic technologies when I had the time and when I was sitting in mm -hmm. school and I was just skateboarding, uh, that was a big mistake. Skateboarding is cool. Um, <laughs> we have Deutsche Telekom. We have one of our guiding principles, which says, stay curious yeah. and grow. This yeah. is the ultimate ratio. And I am always trying to learn and learn and learn, even things which maybe doesn't matter to my life. But sometimes I find a lot of new ideas. But by the way, that's one of the, the most important things. It's not about the experts in this field. Of course, you can be a network expert or a Linux kernel expert. That's, that's of high value. But I believe when you learn more in totally different aspects, then you even get better also in your special job because broadening your mind is, is so important. I believe, yeah, that's a good exercise. Now, I've learned that you have invited Wirecard, this super big scandal, you know, it's a shame. Nevertheless, you know, people would say, oh God, I would never be in this situation. I never want to be an investor. You were an investor in Wirecard. So how do you feel now? What is your learning out of this failure? Uh, when failure happens, I always try to think, did I make a mistake and could I do better? Yeah. And with Wirecard, I can't. Wirecard was well executed for me, everything fine. Because what I did is I looked at the figures and the figures were great and the value of the company was too low. But I did not expect that a Bafin suing Financial Times, forbidding short selling, and then with all these investors like Deutsche Bank, everybody inside that this was a complete fraud. No. So when I would now look in the future and say, oh, maybe that's a total fraud, that would not help me because the likelihood is just too small. So I believe I made everything right. I only had 5% of my liquid positions in Wirecard. Everything fine. Tesla has... 10x my money, which was the biggest position, everything fine. So I believe there's unfortunately no learning, but I believe there should be consequences. And I'm, I'm wondering why there was no consequence so far, because this was a big scandal and we must trust 
in the system. Absolutely right. I totally agree. I think the biggest learning is that this can happen yeah. in times of, you know, all the IFRS rules, in times of all the accountants, in times of all the supervision of institutions, that a kind of fraud, that magnitude can happen. Let's move on and shift gears here for a while. COVID-19, Corona hit us, hit you personally as well. So now looking hindsight, it's almost a year now since the shutdown took place. What would be, you see your, your learnings on a positive side, but even on a negative? Um, on a positive side, I believe technology is the answer. And that is my thesis and why I try to help climate change and all these things with technology. And here we see data that is often, as a German, seen as bad. My personal data will not give it away. But data can help us. And we see it with the app. And the I believe it's also the first time that an app is really saving lives, maybe. Mm -hmm. yeah. So so we see data is important. Having a, a network is important. And having also digitization in the organization. And uh, still, we lack there a lot of ways. We're so analog, so slow that people die because we have not digitized properly. So that was my learning. Like, it's really important that we become a technology digitization and we put it also in politicians' heads and say that's important. It will save lives in the future. So going to the app for a moment, we have now more than 23 million, you know, users of it. And by the way, it's saving life. I was already, you know, in three situations directly where people, you know, got the message that they are positive and they were. Yeah. So they were able to protect their environments yeah. and they got tested. And I was personally invited for an evening and the day I met the guy and he said, by the way, I cannot go because, you know, I got a red message here on my phone and we canceled the meeting and he was found uh, positive as well. So this is something which, which is at least, you know, it's a part of the whole story. Nevertheless, we were the second shot of this Corona app because it's a decentralized app. It's a totally anonymized app. Yep. The data is not used for any scientific work. So it is just warning and by the way, deliberate warning. You know that. And yeah. so how do you leak about this data scarcity, which we have in the European environment, that we are not using data really for protecting life? The data protection rules are stronger than, you know, protecting life, isn't it? Absolutely. And I believe that's very stupid. Yeah. I believe we're making a big mistake. For example, now when I understand what the current thoughts of Helge Braun and Angela Merkel is, is there a new virus that spreads even faster? And when you would have the central data, you could very easily develop an AI in, in a couple of a day and say it's happening or it's not happening. And because we don't have the right mindset and say we need that data and it's more important to save the life and have the data, uh, we're missing out. And basically... People are not getting the right education. People are losing their jobs. We have a lot of challenges out there. And that's because we don't have the data. And I believe that's, that's very wrong. I would be willing to share my data yeah. for saving lives, but even my life. Because, you know, the moment I'm sharing the data and others do this as well, I'm protected as well as society. I don't get how stupid people are in this place. Like WhatsApp from Facebook announced that they will share the data from WhatsApp with Facebook businesses. And I believe that's wrong. And many people said, I don't use WhatsApp, I use Signal now. So Signal is the number one yeah. app globally. But what's the second app in Germany? It's an app called Clubhouse. Mm -hmm. And that's a new social network from the US, of course. And what it does, it sucks your complete address book yeah. with all mobile numbers, put it on the server without encryption. And you know who's on there? Every minister, everybody's on there. I was there just like an hour ago because it's the big hype and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
But how can we not save lives? And you build a great app and you, and you have so many. Time, at the same time, all the ministers, all the politicians are, are on this platform. And I know they have important mobile numbers. Yes. Like before I connected, I stopped the access to my address book because I don't want that even your mobile number. I don't yeah. want to have it on the network. So I don't get this together. So we have really to think about how do we want to work with data? And I believe that we need a mind shift. By the way, guys, just, you know, a funny story from yesterday, what happened yesterday. I'm at Clubhouse as well. Um, <laughs> and, so um, I have to share, you know, whether my data is now already uh, all over the place, what I will find out. But the funny thing is, was, you know, um, you get always a notification that somebody joins Clubhouse. And I got that yesterday. And then Justin was an Israeli friend. I said, oh, that's cool. And I want to say, hey, Gilly, uh, how are you doing? So I I started, you know, podcasting something and then I was not able to or not aware to stop it. And then I did my Jo Fix with Dominique Lerois. So we had the official internal talk about the future and this was totally broadcasted. <laughs> so fortunately, nobody was following me, or at least, you know, uh, it is anyhow, Shetham House rules. But nevertheless, you're totally right on this data um, issue and we have to learn what can we do that we are willing to share data, what is needed that people are on the one side doing the stupid things, not knowing what they do, and on the other side, protesting if the government is trying to get support. What, what is needed in society? Unfortunately, a lot of education. And that's always the hardest thing. Like, uh, how can you make sure that Donald Trump never gets president again? Yeah. Like, education, that's the thing. And it will take time. And that's why I try to educate people and talk about on TV and so on. And that's what we have to do. But it will take time. There's no quick fix. Leaving the topic Corona, but give me maybe your 50 cents on what would you say went well and what would you say has to now post-Corona, what has to get fixed? What went well is that in Germany that the government acted because I've seen them not acting so fast and with so bold measures for a very long time. I don't say they had the right message, but at least they really moved. Uh, we have an app, they make decisions, they're meeting, and that's, I believe, is good. What went super well is that it's not first principle thinking. So really like a deep thinking and understanding and, and for example saying, okay, we need data. So we need to change this. But being in this, no, we never talk about data. That would mm. be a huge problem or we never do this and that. So we need kind of, again, sorry, Elon Musk thinking. That's the problem. And what are the possible steps? And even if we have never done them before or they look in the first sight strange, we need to step up our game in first principle thinking. Look, maybe um, to share my view on this one as well, even if I'm interviewing here, but for me, what we can really proud about is the self-system of Germany. I think they're doing an outstanding job. I think even, you know, the government finally found an alignment in the way how they're dealing yeah. with things. Yeah. I think the whole infrastructure, including telecommunication services, went better than everybody was expecting. So this is something where I think, you know, Deutschland was very robust. The solidarity of society went well. So mm -hmm. in principle, we stood together and helped each other. What didn't went well for me, the biggest scandal is the education school system, where we have a significant need of renovation and willingness and attitude. And the second thing, what I believe is what has to get improved, decision-making in Germany and Europe. The different layers and all this compromise, you get confused about everybody who has a say on this kind of critical things. And this is confusing. And for me, the efficiency of our decision-making is different to the ones which I've seen, for instance, South Korea, or maybe in China. I don't want to live in China, don't take me wrong, but the way and the acuity yeah. of executing things is different there. 
100% agree. And again, I also don't want to live in China or I don't believe it's the right political system, but they did many things efficient. better. Yeah, more efficient. Yeah. Now, let's switch gears again and coming to what makes you Frank Thelen, the entrepreneur, the topic about seeing the future different than others and earlier than others. So looking into 2030 and looking to, into the future, what would you say? How would the society would look like? How would they experience digitization? What is, let's say, your picture about the next generation 2030? So I believe that first principle thinking again, we have a toolbox of new technologies that is just there. It's built by super smart people. It's something like 5G, which you know super well. It's 3D printing, quantum computing, all those technologies. You all know them. And it's a the first moment in time where so many new technologies will see mass adaptation for consumers and businesses at the same time. So we had like a light bulb, uh, we had like a TV, we had a smartphone, but that so many new technologies just are ready at the same time for prime time and change our lives. That's amazing. And I believe the next 10 years will be more crazy than we think. So we always thought like, hey, there will be this fancy future, but it never felt like this. Yeah, we had then the smartphone and so on, but now we will have flying cars, we will have burgers out of the lab and all those crazy things like the Hyperloop. We will travel with 1,400 kilometers per hour without using any energy. So the next 10 years will be crazy. And I don't know yet how exactly it will look like, but things like the Hyperloop, flying cars, super fast access, VR, that's just perfect. This will all be real. So let's slice the elephant because, you know, what you're saying is we see an exponential development. You call it 10x DNA. The By the way, I totally share that. We cannot imagine, you know, how fast all the digital services are coming to us. So it will make something with our environment. It will make something with us as a person. It will make something with societies overall. So maybe starting with the individual. So what is happening to me as a consumer? What is happening to me as an individual in this new digital world? How do I live? How do my life change today? Hopefully, many people will have access to these new possibilities. One of the most important thing that it's not for the rich, that this could also happen. I hope not, but this could happen. For everything I do, for me, it's really important that we scale it, bring the price down so that many people have access. And I believe, for example, most of the Deutsche Telekom members will travel in a, in a Lilium jet in the next four years. And that will be a new experience. I believe they will sit in a Hyperloop in six years. And a robot will do their dishes, do their complete homework in maybe five to ten years. It sounds insane, but when you look at Boston Dynamics von Massasan, for example... Yeah. And you look at the robots, how they develop, this will all happen. So we, we, there is so much going on right now that our lives will really change and we will uh, step by step see these new things. I just had a from a Lenovo the first notebook that with a foldable display. Yes. Of course, it's a small thing. Let's imagine you can fold up a big screen and just put it here and work. These things are now coming. Now, I think the individual will get tailor-made information for every purpose, wherever he is. Mm -hmm. Meaning... I'm a consumer, I'm on a hike, I get the advertising, by the way, there's a restaurant just close by. We have that already with RBM, Rich Businesses Messaging, yeah. which is happening in India with Geo or what's happening with WeChat in China. So this will evolve. So this individualized offerings, advertisings, the full transparency about what I really might need, this is something you foresee as well? Yeah, I mean, we all have these watches yeah. from whichever brand and then we will get more and more data now. You can, can read more and more and know exactly now, now you are hungry because the watch already, whatever, saw my heart rate, blood measure, whatever. 
But there we're going into the very interesting discussion. How do you want to live in the European Union? Because I don't believe that's the right way that all companies have access to all this data. I see the advantage, like, okay, now I can offer a burger at the right time when I'm hiking. But that's too much for me. I believe that the consumer should own the data and tell which service can use the data and back and control. So when I have a trusted brand, I trust whom, whatever, Deutsche Telekom or yeah. Apple or Google, or I don't trust Google, then I can give my data and they can give me all these services. And I believe that's something where the European Union hopefully finds better ways and good ways, not like China. I believe China's the wrong way and we can utilize this. But okay, would it be possible? Yes. Yeah. But you can always switch off your cookies. You can always switch off, you know, the advertising which you want or even you can close the apps. I'm not sure whether the apps are still, you know, existing in 2013. Yeah. Maybe all the functionalities will be included in our social media stream which we are consuming. So this is a little bit Wow, I see the world. So this digital identity, mm -hmm. how do you look at that? What should we do that this digital identity is not something being owned by Chinese or by American over-the-top companies? I believe that's one of the most important things I'm, I'm trying to educate. Um, we are losing our identity to the US and China because what happens is we live on LinkedIn. So LinkedIn knows if I'm well-connected, what's my name and so on. And we just let, use Google Connect, LinkedIn Connect, Facebook Connect. And it becomes a standard and will not take so long until you buy a new Apple phone and you got a credit card right with the phone. And I believe it's super important that we got a um, German or EU identity. And from there on, then all the guys have access to, but we or the government owns this identity. And we have to launch that project uh, because otherwise we're just like silently step by step being sucked into mm. US and Chinese ideas. Yes. And I believe that's a big problem. So... Just to reiterate what you said, your idea is to say, together with the government of European or the states, together with maybe the ones who are using the services or um, having services like the banks or the telecommunications providers, developing one single ID, yeah. which is then hosted in the Europe or in the German constituencies. Exactly. And then a law that Facebook and Apple are forced to make this default ID. Mm. Otherwise, there are so many projects who tried it, it's not possible. You need to have, have a clear yeah. regulation that Apple, Google, and so on need to use it. But I believe it's important. And because what you're saying, if we are not doing this, at the end of the day, Facebook will aggregate so much information yeah. about the individual that they have the identity of everybody already just by the usage of the consumers in their ecosystem. And the same is happening maybe with Google or some others. And therefore, we have to build it on the classical data and digitize it. Got that point. Going to the issue about technologies uh, which are underlying this digitization, quantum computing, blockchain technologies. How do you see this technology evolving and what would that mean, especially if we are processing faster, if we're processing more autonomous and if we're processing uh, without the man in the middle, uh, so in a blockchain? Well, I believe, first of all, blockchain empowers the people because they basically own the data. So there's no central thing if it's a true blockchain. Mm -hmm. uh, and we see that with Bitcoin. Bitcoin is really rising and, and people like it. It's insane. I mean, look at they're building a currency out of the central banks and the central banks can do nothing. Maybe they find something, but right now they can do nothing. And this is the empowerment of technology. And I don't say the Bitcoin will still rise or fall. I find it really interesting that somebody is building a currency besides the dollar and the euro yeah. and they can do nothing. And it's super secure just by the great blockchain of Bitcoin. It consumes too much energy. There are many downsides, but that's something that happened. And I hope that 
This is somehow the future because I believe Bitcoin so far has been positive besides burning too much energy. That we got this for independent IDs, independent data storages, that it's not a Google or an Apple owns it, but the community. We own it on a distributed ledger. I believe that's something that's very powerful and I hope we, we will utilize that more. Coming to quantum computing, quantum computing will enable to ask tougher questions to the computer and we will have Things that come out like better weather forecasts, mm. but also like the climate change, how we can organize an organization like Deutsche Telekom better. So the computer will get super smart and that's something that will happen and that's very exciting. But it's also a danger because when the computer get, get, gets too smart and uh, nobody needs a Tim or Frank, then we are okay, let's see. <laughs> Look, that, that, that's, not, that's not my worry because, you know, we have this kind of human-machine interaction which is getting more relevant in the future yeah. for all of us. This is going to come in the production as well in the scientific world. So I would love to work with a computer with automated technologies because they always made our life easier already in the past. So we will have even exponential value for us as humans. We work less, we work more smartly, and yeah. we get more insights. And all the things which we maybe like, we might find a robot for it. Yeah. So this is not my worry, but my worry is that quantum computing might be misused. Because the one who has the fastest computer, you know, he can break every firewall, you know, immediately. Yeah. So I think there's a big thought risk as well. If the technology is in the wrong hands, that might be a big pain for us. What is if totalitarian states use technologies against democracies. How do you see that? Oh, well, that's a big problem. That's why I want a strong Europe so that we have a say in that. But quantum computing, I mean, you can foresee it. And the Bitcoin blockchain is, is more or less quantum ready. So as far as I can see it, talking to experts, learning a lot, it's already mostly quantum ready. So you can prepare for that. But that's a big problem. If a bad state has the fastest computer yeah. and breaking all things, that's a big challenge. And that's another thing why we need a strong Europe. We need a good China, a strong US, but also a strong Europe that we have a playing level field and have a fair discussion about these things. Look, uh, that's my ad block as well for Europe here in this part, because I cannot tell you if we had always talk about sovereignty, we're talking about digital sovereignty, we're talking about this kind of buzzword that, you know, we should not become dependent on China or become dependent on the Americas, especially when it comes to digitization. But at the same time, nobody is willing to give up something of a small sovereignty in Europe. And I can tell you, if we want to have sovereignty, the only way is if we are gaining power by aligning this big market in Europe in an even more stronger way, that we can build technologies, that we can build political power, that we can build an ecosystem uh, which is then competing with China and with the US. We need more bold there from the companies, from the investors, from the politicians. I mean, uh, right now we're spending billions and billions for new airports or, of course, Corona money, but we don't invest into quantum computing. Mm. Like we now have 300 million. It's always ridiculous. So we, we're not ready to say that it's really critical that we own quantum computing or we have a strong quantum computing. Yeah, that's missing. Before we go into what we have to do, what Europe or politicians, what companies have to do, let me quickly go for the third slice, which I said, you know, we had the individual, we had the technology in the middle, which is enabling that. But what does it make to society? And there's one element which goes to my heart which is our environment. And by the way, I'm very happy that we have the greater Thunbergs of this world who remind us that we have to look beyond just the technology and what technology really means. And that something is wrong in our environment, we see it. You know, if I see the kiefer trees here in, in the environment, they're all dead. Something is happening while we are sitting here. So how do you foresee, what is your, your 
per definition an optimist, but what, what, how do you see this sustainability argument and this evolving and what does it take that we leave for the next generation environment uh, which is worth living? Uh, first of all, I also like Greta, but what I don't like about her is that she's not giving answers or for me, not the right answers, but deep respect for getting the thing back on the agenda because mm. it was not on the agenda. So I believe, yeah, something is wrong and we need to act. And the answer for me is, is technology that we, for example, say, if we eat something, how can we build it in a way that's sustainable and we cannot do like we do it now? So we're looking at new ways to feed, new ways to produce meat and store energy and so on. So I believe we have to make a shift that you're not allowed to leave a footprint. Right now, when I look at myself, when I was young, I had Big Macs and they were in big plastic, every single Big Mac. I mean, I've done yeah. so much bad things yeah. and I'm super sorry for this, yeah. but I didn't know better. So I'm sorry. But now we need to act like nobody can leave a footprint. And just today, Elon announced a hundred million donation to the best solution to get carbon out of the air. So when you look at Microsoft, they say, we will take all the carbon that we ever in the whole history of Microsoft created back. That's what we will do. And that's the right attitude. And I believe this will come in regulations, hopefully very soon. And that's the new way to go. As a company, as an individual, you are not allowed to leave a footprint on the planet. And think about it. It's insane. Why is this free? Why can we all pollute for free? Mm. There's no tax on it. Mm. And that was just a big, big, big mistake. And we need to make it right. Now, take Germany as an example, maybe Europe as well. Now, with the deal here, um, the Green Deal, looking forward, there might be disadvantages because otherwise other countries might produce cheaper because they yep. do not include this environmental costs. Yep. So how do you solve that issue? Well, I hate it, but unfortunately there has to be some tax, I believe, if you bring it in. But I'm more the optimist and say technology will evolve so fast that we just beat them. Mm -hmm. That's my goal. I always want to beat them. I hate plastic. So we're looking at so many deals to create something that's cheaper and even better. Mm -hmm. And that's my motivation. If you look at solar, it's getting so cheap and we're beating oil. And that's my big hope, that all those technologies get so scalable, so smart, that they are just better than the bad choice. Yeah. Look, for us, telecom are quite a challenge because yeah. our CO2 footprint grows just by definition. The more digitization is taking place, a lot of companies outsource their CO2 footprint <laughs> to us because we manage their clouds. Yeah. But our attempt is we know on the overall it is better for society if it is bundled in a cloud on a network. But we do everything to reduce CO2 emission. We have already this year 100% of all our networks in scope one and two on sustainable energy. And we will reduce even the others to 90% over the next years. So that is something where we are on a good track. It costs us, by the way, millions. We have a, a share in a solar factory in the US. So everything goes into sustainability. Nevertheless, um, this coming at a cost. But I believe at the end of the day, customers will vote with yeah. their feet. Yeah. And we see that already during Corona. There's a super increase of bio products in the supermarkets, I think up by 25% here in Germany. People are more thinking in sustainability dimensions and responsibility. And therefore, we have to make it transparent. We have to include it in the brand, but we should not be irritated by some cheap offers from being in Bangladesh, being in China or wherever. Yeah. So that's the issue of sustainability. Last topic on technology, and I know you're an expert. By the way, Frank is advising me in a group called Think Tank for years already on how to deal with technologies in the ecosystem of telecom. So thank you for that. 
the idea about what should we do from a technology perspective. You know, we are in 3G, 4G, 5G. We are leading the pack in this regard and the network test everywhere. We have now this fiber initiatives. Looking to others, today Loon was announced that they are stopping the activities, which is the Google initiative or an alphabet. So give me some impact. What would you do as Deutsche Telekom CEO from a technology perspective? Well, first of all, we, we didn't discuss this uh, beforehand, but what you do with your think tank is really outstanding because I know many, many uh, duck CEOs and you're inviting people that also might have a different opinion. So huge respect here and it's a good discussion and that's what you need. Mm. You need to be open and not like if you're producing combustion engine cars, you don't say this will never work with the batteries and the electric stuff. And the challenges that I see is For example, Starlink. They don't have to build the towers. There's also a lot of downsides, of course, but disruption will happen. And we're talking about other satellite things. You have this plane that you announced, which is great that you invest mm -hmm. in this. If this works, maybe right now it's too expensive and nobody knows if it will work. But yeah, that's the moonshot you have to take because there will be new technologies offering higher bandwidth at a lower price. And you need to have that DNA that you always partner early Invest early because disruption will happen. Do you believe in these hubs, into this high attitude platforms for connectivity? Yes. Yeah. So do you think they are able to substitute even terrestrial connectivity? Or is it an adjacency? <sighs> yeah, it's early days, right? And we will see, like, for example, there's also new technology, how you can communicate with quantum technology. And again, unfortunately... Mm -hmm. I was skateboarding and not listening to my physics professor, so I still have to <laughs> rely on my team. But I believe we will see here more and more innovation, and I don't know who will win. And we also need fiber, of course, I believe so, and yeah. we need 5G towers, yeah. but it will be an addition, and then there will be competition. And then the question is, will Deutsche Telekom be in 10 years still strong? And that's the question. Like, if you stop working today and only playing golf, mm. Deutsche Telekom will still be a great company in three years. Maybe you don't even have an impact, but your impact is in the next 10 years, in the five years. And that's where now you have to push because then we will see who will win. Look, I think, you know, without telling the story, which I will bring out for the community later on, I believe that we have to embrace Starlink and their technologies just, you know, maybe even first for areas where we cannot, you know, economically build an infrastructure for customers, but they want connectivity. And then we learn with the technology, whether this is a substituting one or whether this is just adjacent technologies. We have to include other technologies, you know, being it mesh infrastructure, being it Wi-Fi, we should not be only focused on ours and our technologies have to learn how to manage network of networks. So we need the platform, the orchestration layer Yeah. who is bringing all this connectivity together because I believe when we talk about 2030, connectivity will become a human right. That would be great. And I would see Deutsche Telekom as delivering connectivity. And honestly, I don't care if it's 5G, 4G. I just want to have... Ubiquitous data access. And I have the best brand, the best supplier on a global base and that's Deutsche Telekom and that's it. Here we go. Yeah. Okay, Switching gears for the last time, Europe is falling behind. Mm -hmm. Germany is too slow as well. We see that. By the way, my biggest worry is that now after this corona pandemia, it's over. Everybody would, you know, clap his shoulder and say, what a great job we did. 
and we move on as we did before. And I think that is not enough. We have to learn from this. We have to learn from the exponential technologies we discussed earlier. So my biggest worry is that we are now going back to normal and not using this crisis for injection, for an acceleration. So what would be your recommendation towards politicians, towards European leaders, what we should change right now? Understand that the next 10 years bring more change than the last 100 years based on the technologies that we already know. That's the good thing. We know what will happen because there is faster connectivity, 5G, blockchain, what we all discussed today, 3D printing, quantum computing. So we know what are the kind of the players on the chessboard and we need to step up the game and understand that where is Germany and Europe in 10 years? We are strong today, but we are losing the car industry. Maybe if you look at market capitalization, we already lost it. Nobody would have imagined this just, I don't know, one year ago. They all said, you are crazy, Frank. And now we lost it. And there will be more disruption if we don't take this opportunity and really build this new ecosystem, we will fall behind. And then we cannot discuss how to cope with climate change, data, and all these things. One example, because it's so clear to me, why don't we build Hyperloops? Mm -hmm. Because it's a, te yeah, it's a technology that's there. It will bring an ecosystem of engineers understanding it, and it would just make sense. Why are we still subsidizing a technology from 18, 20, 20? The train is so old yeah. and so stupid. Oh. And when you compare it up the total cost of ownership and so on to a Hyperloop, it just doesn't make sense. But the first reaction from politicians is put in more money into Deutsche Bahn because we don't say, okay, that's a new thing that's comes up and it will be a game changer. And it's also about the ecosystem. And that's what we need to do. What are the top three or five initiatives like the Hyperloop, which you would mention? Education. As you mentioned, I believe yeah. it's a disaster what we're doing. Connectivity that we have the best networks because that's the basis on do everything. Quantum computing, AI, and, and Hyperloop. And Hyperloop. Interesting. Okay, so how do you see this thing about regulation, the competitive rules, antitrust laws? Why do we have from 500 unicorns, which evolved over the last years, only 13 here in Europe, something is wrong with the setup of our environment here? What would be your recommendation? It's a complicated problem. But first of all, founders look at other founders. And if you only have Oliver Zambas, who building copycats, uh, yeah, that's a problem. Seriously, if you don't have the real engineer. So we need other heroes that set the right mindset and tone. Then we need successes because when somebody invested and sell it for a lot of money, then he gets huge returns. And then he will get even more money and saying, now we're betting even bigger. That's what happened in the Silicon Valley. Mm -hmm. well, just, it took decades to build this, well, not overnight. And there we are stopping right now. So we don't have big checks. If something works in Germany, there's not many people you can talk to that write a hundred million check. That's a lot of money, but we need a lot of 100 million checks. And that's what's happening in the US and China right now. If something works, 100 million, 100 million, 500 million. We have the SPACs, so that's a new way new to go public. And they often have a billion in there yes. for a new startup. And I say, holy crap. I mean, how should I compete now? Yeah, yeah and that's why we also have to step at our game and you know, get more capital. Do you see progress? Because I've seen the digital hubs here in Germany. You're invested in Lilium. Lilium is coming from this ecosystem of TUM. Yeah. So there are already universities working with the communities, working on specific projects with entrepreneurs. So I see the French ecosystem, which is evolving. So yeah. is there a um, reason for hope apart from that everything is going very slow? 
there's hope and we're moving but china and us are not sleeping yeah right yeah. i mean now they have the spucks after vision fund yes. is struggling a little bit so now they have the spucks so they're also evolving yeah but there's hope and, and lilium aviation is one of the i'm an investor so but this is one of the north stars that we have mm -hmm. we're now 700 people mm -hmm. uh, great funding we just brought in tom anders into mm -hmm. the board the ceo of airbus so these are the stories that we need but yeah we need more of them very good so by the way i believe that from a political setup, we need a new antitrust law as well. Because if I compare, for instance, certain platform industries with the US or China, we are so fragmented because the antitrust laws are always related to the national borders. They're never related to Europe as a whole. And therefore, we do not allow size. Our telco companies are too small. Technology companies in other areas, in banking sectors, we are totally fragmented. So we have to allow that companies scale in a magnitude that they can compete from a balance sheet with the US and with China. And at the same time, we have to build ecosystems, you know, which are fostering, as you said, startups, the Mittelstand, which is more innovative. Don't build this super big platform. So these are different horses for different yeah. courses. Frank, let's come to the end. And with all, let's say, the challenges which we are facing, you create a lot of optimism, which is good, by the way, which I like. And we cannot, you know, commit suicide because the future is unclear. That said, what gives you energy? Working with smart people. When you see like a Daniel Wiegand, who's the CEO of Lilium, how he works, yeah. so we're just building a satellite company called Endurosat. When you see how these young engineers are building things and you can be a part and help them, that gives me a lot of drive. And... Uh, yeah, just met Elon Musk and talking to him one evening and seeing his ideas and his energy is full of energy mm -hmm. and say, you have to go faster. That's solution. Let's go. That's something. Yeah. I want to bring in my small part. I would say, you know what? I just come back from the telecom award ceremony where we awarded the best teams in our organization. By the way, they get money for this. And I was so impressed. The moment you have cross-functional teams from different disciplines, they create much more than sitting in your silos. And I can only encourage my organization to just listen to what Frank said, bring spirit into your teams with new guys with new ideas. Let the young kids, you know, have a talk on the table. They might be disruptive. Maybe they might be wrong, but at least they will inspire you. Now, coming to Elon Musk for a moment, you know, what is your learning for big corporates from him? What would you say, what can we learn from his unbelievable dynamic? He's bringing to Tesla, to Starlink, to Hyperloop, SpaceX. It's unbelievable the story this guy is creating. You know what, what is for me, even when he looked into Germany and how he set up this factory, he's using Bielefelder hidden champions yeah. technology that BMW and Volkswagen never used. And he said, oh, these are the great hidden champions. And I know from personal story, he called the, the founder and said, okay, you have this great technology. And now there's building the fastest factory in the history of Germany yeah. with German technology. Oh, man. So I believe what, what we can think about is study him and bringing the same attitude. Like, how can you be very effective? First principle thinking, no politics. And I know it's hard to bring this to a big organization, but that's what you need to Maybe my last round here um, about um, if you would be a building, what building would you be? A building? Yeah. Wow, a building. What impressed you most and why? Uh, I would be uh, a building at the sea because I love the sea and the ocean. So uh, to find my inner peace and uh, that would be then a, a great building to be. Would it be futuristic or would it be more no. classic? 
classic. Classic. For buildings, uh, I still I like I like the. the so the humans always have the desire. At the same time, you know, they are striving always for the latest technology to keep their food on the ground and keep their roots and have something classical, historical, which they know? Yeah, we are humans. And I believe that's also important to tell a story. Sometimes with my startups, they, they have the perfect marketing KPIs. But I believe it's also important, also what you do in a very great way with your brand and your story, you have to be also a story as a Deutsche Telekom and as a startup. And that's important because we're humans. We need stories. If you would have an interview with a candidate working for you, a company you're going to invest into, what are the three attributes you're looking at? What are the most important, you know, characters you expect? So when I look at the founder, is he, does he really understand what he's building? And if he's building a satellite or an app, I try to dive deep into what are his thoughts? Why did he make these decisions? Does he know uh, what technologies are available? Does he think through And then I try to understand, is he really willing to go that way? Because the moment after we invest, hell starts because we want growth and all these things. And is he serious about making everything else priority B, mm -hmm. which is very tough. And so understanding his product ready. And then is he a nice girl or a nice guy? Because that's also important that you have the right attitude and are, are gentle and friendly and so on. We made some mistakes where all the other check marks were on and we said, okay, yeah, he's not so. Then we invested and it always failed. So it's also important that you are a positive, gentle, fair, that you have right ethics. It's super important for me. Okay. How is this sense of urgency? How important is aggressiveness of people? How important is this stamina to go through the deep water? I would not use the word aggressive, yeah. but progressive. Yeah. And that's exactly the differentiation. If it's aggressive and it's just like blind, like, mm -hmm. again, sorry, Oli Zamba, who yeah. just like, da, da 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 I believe that was wrong what he did. But progressive is very good. And he, he needs to be burning, but not burning bridges. But he needs to be very clear on his mission and really go, but not burning bridges. What is your biggest dream in life? Well, personally, to get old with my wife, because it's quite hard to get a good relationship over the years, over many, many years. And really enjoy being with your wife. It's a tough thing. So I believe we have a good relationship so far, but I know it's tough to bring it to the end. And that would be kind of a, a goal for me. And the other thing is to build one or three meaningful European technology companies. And that means 50 billion plus market cap. So that's my current KPI, my goal. And yeah, that's what, what I want to achieve in the next seven years. So now we have 10,000 of people listening to us for this very dynamic and very optimistic view on technology and the way going forward. These people are sitting there now want to invest into something. What is the hottest, you know, tip you would give them you know to invest money into this one if they have the possibility maybe not they cannot buy a company right now but they look <laughs> like you can do but maybe a stock what would be your hottest tip on this one right now ha huh. i believe still tesla there's a lot really? of wow no. a lot of volatility might be ahead but the company will still be three four five times have the value will be the most valuable company in the world pretty sure about this oh. Uh, but again, I'm not an advisor on, no, on finances. That's uh, for sure not, guys. <laughs> yeah. Tencent. And maybe, but that's a bet. That's a little bit of gambling. 
I don't like the product, mm. but I like the opportunity. That's Bitcoin because Bitcoin mm. is limited. And I believe more institutional investors will buy Bitcoin mm. than they're not enough. And it might shoot the roof. But in general, Bitcoin is burning too much energy. So that's why I don't like it. But as a gambling in the stock market, it could be a good idea. A lot of inspiration from this talk. I hope you enjoyed it as I enjoyed it, talking to my friend here, Frank Thelen. Thank you, Frank, for this insights. Again, if you want to read more about that one, my advertising part here for his book, really insightful. Thank you for joining us, guys, and I hope you enjoyed it. And I want to say thank you because you have the best network. So many people align us, my friends, my companies. I know how hard you work. Uh, thank you for the network because we base our business on it. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.